0: Hey there, before we get started today, I just wanted to say a big thanks to Vitaly and Charge B for sponsoring this episode, which allows me to continue producing Churn FM as an independent creator. Vitaly came in at a vital time for me and perhaps they can for you too. If you're looking to maximize the productivity, visibility and collaboration of your CS team while increasing NRR and streamlining operations, Vitaly is the all-in-one custom success platform to help you do just that. They're also currently giving away a free pair of AirPods to all ChurnFM listeners when you take a qualified demo with them. So if you're in the market for a CS platform, visit vitally.io forward slash ChurnFM today to schedule your demo and get your AirPods. That's V-I-T-A-L-L-Y yio forward slash C-H-U-R-N-F-M. And in other news, Chargebee just launched their much-awaited 2024 State of the Subscriptions and Revenue Growth Report with an exclusive focus on retention strategies, pricing trends, and churn rate projections, based on a survey of over 300 subscription businesses. I personally got an early sneak peek, and you don't want to miss this one. To grab a copy, you can visit chargebee.com forward slash churnfm. That's C-H-A-R-G-E-B-E-E dot C-O-M forward slash C-H-U-R-N-F-M. With that being said, let's jump to today's episode. Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Tony Sternberg. Co founder and CEO of ProsperStack. In this episode, Tony shared the challenges of selling a business and the importance of churn and retention in the review process and the final valuation they got. We then discussed how you can use tailored user experiences to reduce voluntary churn and leverage your company's data more effectively. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode
1: just gun for revenue in the door.
0: This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth.
1: How do you build a habit forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn.
0: You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and
1: engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing.
0: Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael. And here's today's episode Hey, Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. For the listeners, Tony is the co-founder and CEO of ProsperStack, a platform that automates and enhances subscriber acquisition and retention experiences. Prior to founding ProsperStack, Tony spent 12 years at Cats, a bootstrap startup in the HR space where he joined as one of the first employees and saw the company grow from low thousands to $6 million while acting as president prior to the company being sold. So my first question for you, Tony, is, what was the most challenging aspect of going through the acquisition period at Cats?
1: Oh wow, yeah, that was a completely new experience for me. So aside from just having to to learn how that end of the business works, you know, it was a lot of diligence and fact finding, and it really taught me that you know as you go along the way, it's a lot easier to to keep those numbers and those KPIs up to date because having to go back and retroactively get them is is oftentimes challenging, but. It's really important on that side of the business when you're when you're going through an acquisition to to have those numbers right so that the valuations get backed up and what you're saying you know you can show and that is true and everything. So we spent a lot of time um as a bootstrap company, we didn't often have people to answer to in terms of like a board or investors that would often request those kind of things on a consistent basis, so that's something I've tried to instill in this company quite early is is discipline around those numbers
0: nice. So one of the aspects then from your side was really just having access to data and showing you have the, the reporting to provide. Uh, mm-hmm. How long did the actual process take going through the acquisition?
1: I would say that the core of it was about six months. There were some things that led it to extend out beyond that, but I would say about six months was the process from putting together a pitch book and and meeting with different people that were interested in the business to, you know, selecting kind of the partner you want to move forward with and then going through that diligence process.
0: And uh, how much would you say like churn and retention came into the review process and the final valuation that the company got?
1: Oh, yeah, it was, it was one of the core things that was focused on because it really honed in on, you know, what our LTV to CAC ratios were and the way that we calculated churn was, it was important to influence those numbers, which definitely backed up the valuation that we were getting. And not only that, for them to justify to their investors why they would pay a certain number for a company um, as well. And then it gets into forecasting, you know, once the acquisition goes through, how can we reallocate dollars to work with these ratios that we've developed and and really scale a business to the to the next level? And yeah, those were those numbers were absolutely core to to everything that was worked on in that process.
0: Nice. And then following the acquisition at some point uh, you went off and you start you founded Prosper Stack. Like how long did you last uh, post acquisition at the company?
1: Yeah, I actually left Prior to it going officially through, I was just in there until it went through, and um, yeah, it was acquired by another company that was it was rolled into, so didn't have to stay on or anything. But by that point, definitely had a lot of ideas, and and a co-founder I wanted to to jump into the startup space again with because you know, I guess I never really left the startup space, but really wanted something of my own that I could hopefully grow into something successful.
0: Very nice, and uh, I. Sort of emerged as well out of your previous experience at Cats as well. So maybe like give us a little bit about the origin story. I think it's always great to hear like where you came up with uh, the idea and uh, how it evolved.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, so Cats was, was like a, I guess you'd call it like an early SaaS company by SaaS standards. It was really technically founded in 2004. So you know, when, at that time, there, a lot of the stacks that everyone uses now really weren't around. Right, languages were different. You know, platforms like Stripe and Charge We didn't exist, but we used a very, I would call it low touch, more of a product led approach to our user acquisition. So we would drive free trials of the website. You know, they could basically sign up and try it for 30 days for free, which meant we didn't have like a more direct sales process. It was more or less transactional in the way we sold it, which meant they could buy it and pay us without talking to us. But that also meant on the flip side of things that they could cancel without. Talking to us, so we felt like we never really had that one-to-one connection to truly understand. You know, where did our product or service fall short in order to like understand why people turned. So it was always like this black hole that we could never really understand, and it was something that you know puzzled myself, puzzled the founder, and other people at the company because we just like how are we going to ever truly understand this if we don't have that relationship with the with the customers? And we had ideas on how to do it, but we had a million things we wanted to build that were really core to the product. And it was kind of like, well, how much effort can we really put towards this whole retention offboarding experience? And that's where the, the light bulb kind of went off. And we're like, you know, the, if we're suffering from this problem, there's got to be a ton of other small to mid sized businesses that also could benefit from a solution. And, you know, we've all experienced like, you know, maybe like LinkedIn or Adobe's retention efforts, or if you call your cable company, you know, they've invested tons of money into that retention experience. And um, we just felt there had to be a way, be a way to unlock a similarly high quality automated experience for these kind of
0: companies. Very cool. So maybe you just give us then a good overview of like what the typical customer experience looks like for partners that like a company comes to you and what are like their typical problems that they're having or challenges and then why do they stick around and stay?
1: Yeah, I, I think when when a company is out looking for a solution, they've they've already identified that terms a problem. So they tend to be you know, past like that initial first couple years of startup space, where they're really just focused on acquisition and learning from their customers, and maybe push churn to the back burner until it becomes a thorn. Well, then it becomes a problem, and maybe they're going through a round of funding, or they want to go to fundraise. And if their churns not looking good, investors are going to look at that first and foremost. So they say, what can we do to improve it? Well, then they start looking around at, at the market and, and finding out here's some different things companies are doing, but we don't we're not really experts in this area. So it's an emerging space in this in the sense of Systems dedicated to just voluntary churn and offboarding. So they'll come to us and really have those goals in mind. They want to show, they want a reduction in churn. They don't have the resources to invest into it, to do it in like a dynamic way that their growth teams or their success teams want them to do it. So they say, you know, what, what, like how, what are you different about? And we basically partner with, you know, the Stripes and ChargeBees and all the other subscription billing management platforms of the world. And make a low-code way for them to plug it in, and just create experiences—we call them flows—to really tailor the operating experience to that customer, truly understand why they're leaving, and give them an alternative to cancellation when possible. That speaks to that reason. It might be a service intervention. It might be, you know, a discount. Might be a plan alternative that that better suits them. But all that is fed by data. All that is built within our product and automated, and then scaled out by, you know, teams that don't require development resources to continually make changes and iterate and test. So that's really kind of a typical scenario. Um, It works. It tend to be like a, a direct consumer company or like I always call them like prosumers or really small businesses, you know, ones that can behave more like a consumer to make those decisions, you know, more on a whim. And they tend to also be at a price point that we, I would call moderate, like sub $100 per account per month type of thing. Interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. and customers then would come to really try to build out like a good uh, exit flow for their customers either to learn as much as possible from them or retain themselves Mm -hmm. when it comes to like offboarding best practices then where do you recommend companies get started let's imagine like i come to you today and whether i use your software or not like i want to start learning a little bit more from those that are churning like what would be your recommendation like to get an MVP off the ground, what would be like the very first step you'd say you need to, to do to get started?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the first step is always, you know, just trying to learn from churn. And it, it might be, I think, introducing offers and alternatives is kind of a whole other layer to it. But, you know, at a very simple thing, you could fire up a type form or a Google form or whatever internal survey tool you want to use and really just add, add a couple steps in there. And it's, and it's really just coming up with a reason of primary reasons they might leave, you know, maybe a handful. And I recommend not going too too far into it, just five, six, seven reasons that kind of boil down to the core of, of why your customers leave. I always recommend asking for open-ended feedback. You get a lot of unanticipated things. You know, it's great to have to be able to put into a spreadsheet. Here's the primary reason why they left. But if you can get unsolicited like I would say unfiltered feedback from your customer, that's always best too. And then you can surface keywords from there. That's really useful. And keeping that process consumer friendly is a big driving reason of, of what we always consult and, and try to have our our clients do as well because we do believe there's a balance between the customer experience and the data and the ability for you to retain them and then I think on the other hand of that is just paying attention to like trends and, and laws that are coming in enforced you know there are more consumer friendly laws coming in place basically the idea is if, if you want to be safe, is if you acquire customers in like an automated online channel, you have to let them cancel in an automated online channel. The The general guidelines are if you acquire them in that way, let them cancel that way. So trying to put them into like call centers when they can sign up online is, is technically illegal.
0: I just wanted to give a quick reminder that our sponsors of this episode today are and ChargeBeat. Vitaly are giving away a free pair of AirPods to all qualified demos, so if you're in the market for a new CS platform, make sure to visit vitally.io forward slash churnfm today. You can also grab a copy of the latest state of the subscription and revenue growth report by visiting chargebeecom forward slash churnfm and let them both know that I sent you. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, I've uh, experienced some bad experiences uh, like that myself and Uh, knowing the laws as well it is one like very it's off-putting as well uh, extremely like if you quick to take my card and quick to take my details you should be like quick to to let me go and uh, close the account itself so the the thing then as well is at this stage you mentioned like a a type form anything you can get started you start collecting feedback what would be the next step then so now you've got your five six options you maybe have like an other so people can give you additional details you've started collecting feedback now what do you do from there Mm
1: -hmm. yeah assuming that 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 feedback's funneling to something you can act on would be you know great step like i said trying to surface common keywords and open-ended feedback to really understand your users is great If you can run them through any sort of analysis or automated tool like aws has you know that's a that's a bonus but then i think you start getting into like all right great we're getting that feedback now, could we have prevented this cancellation through some sort of automated educational means? So we call them deflections and offers. So if somebody says, you know, hey, I had this problem, or or I'm canceling because you don't have this feature I need, but but you can you actually do have the feature, you know, you can basically have a conditional step that would link them to a resource that would help them overcome that problem. Maybe it's uh, booking a one to one call with a customer success rep or a support agent to like try to overcome that, you know, kind of snap reaction to canceling. Understanding that people go through hardships, customers go through hardships. COVID-19, would, you know, a couple years ago, was a, was a great example. That's really when we launched. So it was kind of an interesting time to launch. And companies were scrambling because people were just canceling, canceling subscriptions left and right in that two-month initial period there. But all they needed to do was have an alternative and say, you know what? How about we just take a break? We'll pause your billing for one month, two months, just to help you get through this time. They never would have churned those customers. They would have come right back. They would have continued on with the billing. But now instead, they have to go try to reactivate them. And as we know, getting someone to put their credit card in is one of the hardest things to do, and they have to get them to do that again. So I think just looking at what can I introduce into my cancellation experience that's going to give an alternative to cancellation so I don't lose the customer in the first place is kind of that second layer. You want to build on top of the informational gathering.
0: Yeah, I think that COVID example is a very good example. I think most companies scramble to do something similar. Uh, we ourselves as well did a hot show where we gave you the ability to pause your account and uh, reactivate after three or six months. I think there's a few options. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, interesting. The other thing as well, I think that was interesting is like being able then to sort of measure the responses that you get. And something we similarly we also did at Hot was having those details we could then monitor month on month to see the progress we were making in specific areas. So if bugs was the issue one month, there was like 20% coming from bugs, like we need to make sure that that was decreased the next month and the ratios uh, accordingly as well. And uh, really helped to give you like a pulse of which are sort of the areas that you need to maybe spending a little bit more product resources to from that side. Yeah. The one thing I've always had this, like, I don't know, like, mixed feelings about incentivizing retention. Because especially when it comes to, like, offering discounts and uh, keeping things, and I'm keen to hear your opinion on this as well, because there's several times where I've actually seen, like, threads in different channels on facebook and other social networks where it's like hey heads up i just uh canceled my HubSpot subscription and got offered a 50 percent discount uh if anyone's interested in a 50 percent discount just go cancel your account and uh, choose this as an option and there you have it bing so it gets me thinking that like how much of this deflection uh, actually helps and like versus like actually losing revenue from customers who would have otherwise stuck around and yeah i don't think this is probably something you could effectively measure but like how do you see this playing out in the companies you work with
1: yeah yeah i think that's really interesting point and it's something we've had discussions with potential clients and clients about and i've observed and had thoughts on myself too like for example i think everyone knows like if you're subscribing to linkedin like sales navigator you can go and cancel and get an offer at least you could for the longest time and it was a fixed process that everyone could do so i know obviously you would think that a, a big company like LinkedIn would have would have done that um, measurement and and obviously still outweighed that the that risk of people learning about that was was greater than benefit i think you have to be a pretty large brand in order to like you said like a hubspot like a big major unicorn player to really have the internet start talking about this specific way to cancel but i think that's also where you can look to a, you know a dedicated platform to help you so introducing things like randomization and and making sure that even if everyone goes down the same path then not everyone gets the same offer or any offer for that matter is is one way to kind of protect against people learning a pattern. And then also just ways to leverage your user and their behavior and giving them that unique experience. So, um, for example, you know, on the onset of, of a cancellation experience, you know, you basically identify a segment of customer that it applies to. So if it's a customer that's been around less than 90 days and you know that you need to incentivize them to get past that, maybe magical threshold of six months where they become a lifetime customer, it might be worthwhile for you to, even if it costs a temporary discount to get them there and then get them back through automated ways or or manual intervention to really see the value of that product. So we always recommend, you know, like, if you're going to lean on coupons generally temporary is the way to go because you want to get them to a point of reali- realizing that value again, where they want to pay you the full price. And, you know, at the end of the day, any subscriber you can keep is really going to only increase LTV which kind of circling back to your first question is is one of the you know drivers of of a lot of the core things you do in your business so and we feel like helping companies increase that is a certainly you know worthwhile endeavor and a lot of the strategies that we consult with and impose are you know not offering things you know how can we optimize if if offers were off the table and discounts and incentives how could we optimize this experience to overcome that problem in more of an educational means to we call it a deflection versus a save to retain that customer without having to concede any revenue. And that's a win-win for, for us. And that's kind of how we look at it. Nice.
0: So first step you mentioned then, like getting a good offboarding experience is figuring out like a way to collect the feedback. What are the reasons? Second way is to then like uh, understand those reasons, build in paths to enable deflection and try and retain some of those customers. Where do you go from there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I was just maybe branching into that a little bit, and I think that is is really leveraging data from your customer base, and you know, again, we call them segments, you know, whatever you want to call them, but basically putting them in different different cohorts or groups or buckets, and giving them unique experiences that speak to where they're at in the customer lifecycle. Like we never um, advertise ourselves as a be all end all. churn. we look at ourselves as like you know a tool in a toolbox that that's going to get you to optimize your retention. You know, there's a lot of things you need to do at the on the onboarding stage at the mid cycle stage. Um, you know, even with like things like Dunning and and involuntary journey, you should be having solutions for that. And then, you know, kind of at the end of the life cycle where we live, you know, there's there's things to do. And then even beyond that, win back campaigns. But yeah, I mean, I think leveraging data, we, you know, specifically using data platforms like a segment.com and piping that information in and even showing the customer dynamic data, like one of the things that that we found useful. Would be to reinforce value, like, "Hey, are you sure you want to leave?" You know, you imagine if you're a CRM and you go to cancel it, you know, and you've got ten thousand contacts in here, sixty-two thousand activities. You know, are these is this really what you want to leave behind? It kind of makes the person pause and say, "You know, I have got a lot invested in this. I've got a lot of value in this product. I can't just cancel that and lose access to it." So just kind of reminding them in that moment what value they've got on your product with that leveraging that data that we're talking about can be super powerful.
0: Very cool. Nice. So moving on a little bit, I want to ask you a question that I ask every guest that joins the show. I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario. You join a new company. The CEO comes to you and says, hey, Tony, 90 days, you got to turn things around. You're in charge. The catch is you're not going to tell me I'm going to look at data or I'm going to speak to customers and figure out the biggest pain points and start there or speak to internal teams. You're just gonna take a tactic that you've seen work at a previous company and run with it blindly, hoping it reduces churn uh, within the ninety days. What would you do?
1: yeah, all right so uh, the assumption here is that I have to have an automated solution, so I guess I'd make a leap and and if it is a type of company that has more of that price point that tends to be more product led then yeah i would I would probably go down the path of of um you know really quick easy wins, which would be like a, a, a cancellation flow or experience because it's one of the more tangible things that you can do. Like I bought a lot of software in my day and a lot of the software that you see and you have to buy into is the idea of ROI through time saved, right? Well, the, what's unique about a cancellation flow, it's it's dollar saved because like this person went to cancel, they did not cancel for this, whatever reason. And now this is actual invoice revenue back to you. And that's a very easy way to tie back into making an impact. So that's why I would say, go down that path first.
0: It's thought there. Cool. What's one thing you know today about channel retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career?
1: Yeah, I mean all the all the KPIs we've talked about today and, and learning how to calculate them and, and just having them at ready is is something that's hugely important and that I've learned the importance of through the later stages of the bootstrap company I was with at CATS. And then even just now being a company that has investors and is funded, and the importance of them are, you know, the core metrics, churn LTV acquisition costs and, you know, a few others from there. But those are definitely core that my investors are always asking about.
0: Nice. I was also interested, you mentioned like you launched when uh, COVID started previously and uh, the timing for that feels like a product like yours, like the perfect storm. How are you seeing the current markets in terms from your business perspective? Because a lot of companies out there, they're feeling the pain now, they're like a pending recession, upcoming. How is it for business like stack, stack, where more and more companies now are actually starting to think about how do we retain more of our customer base?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was a very interesting time to launch. Uh, I would say that we were optimistic that retention would be a focus, you know, even during COVID as people were leaving, but it was still a scary time to just launch into the unknown, right? Yeah. But as we've gone a couple of years since then, and now we're shifting into a recession, we've done a lot of customer interviews specifically with our own customer base lately. And one overwhelming theme that everything seems to have shifted in the last three, six months to a year is really towards retention. You know, money is not as cheap right now. Investor dollars are tightening up. So it's not as easy just to go grab a lot of cash and, this in, and throw that growth and acquisition, right? They have to be a lot smarter with that cash and invest in areas like retention, which is going to be, you know, five to seven X cheaper than an acquisition cost over the long haul. So um, you know, like I said, it it's it seems to me that everyone is shifting towards that. When we've had conversations with customers, a couple of them even said, like, that's funny you ask about where our focus is because at the end of the last quarter, we we actually had kind of a quarter close and a new quarter kickoff, and our theme is retain this quarter. And I think that speaks to the, the attitude and the shift of everything and, and where it's headed and and people are gonna be focusing a lot more on retention these days.
0: Absolutely. Nice. Well, Tony, is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up today? Anything they should be aware of uh, in relation to your work?
1: I guess, you know, just as a general theme, I touched on a little bit earlier, you know, I don't think that there's ever any one silver bullet towards retention. I think you need to evaluate your own business, you know, your your type of customer, your price points and determine what solutions are best for you. But definitely investing in retention as a whole, no matter what area of the life cycle is going to be something that you're going to be want to do Wanting to do in the next, especially if you're not already doing it, in the next three six months, because I think you'll fall fall behind without proper investment into it.
0: Absolutely, and I think more so now, as you mentioned, in the climate we're in, businesses and metrics are going to be have a lot more demanding all around. Especially if you're a startup and you're in the venture space, uh, churn and retention is is the number one uh, metric. I think that's going to be talked about now over the next few months. Definitely. so very nice Tony well it's been a pleasure hosting you today thank you so much for joining the show and uh, wish you best of luck now going forward into this new year navigating through the climate
1: yeah thanks again Andrew it was great to be on and um, best of luck to you as well
0: thanks Tony have a great day and that's a wrap for the show today with me Andrew Michael I really hope you enjoyed it and you are able to pull out something valuable for your business to keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes blog posts and more Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to Andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly... If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review, as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week. And with that, I just want to say a big thanks again to Vitaly and Chargebee for sponsoring this episode. If you do decide to check them out at vitaly.io forward slash and chargebee.com forward slash please make sure to let them know I sent you because tracking podcast advertising is traditionally very difficult, and I want to make sure we deliver value to them both, so that we can retain them as our sponsors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week.